Hello, welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Hashtag. I'm Natalie, your host, and today we're talking everything social media, the power of it, and how we want to use it to drive change in society and create value for our audiences. We're talking to more incredible business owners who are sharing their top tips on how to create an engaged audience, and my favorite part, the epic social media fail for this week. Stay tuned for this week's episode. Make sure you click the follow button and keep up to date. And you know what to do. Follow us on all social media after this episode. We're at NLY Social. I'm super excited today to be joined by the wonderful Rin Hamburg of Rin Hamburg and Co. Hello, Rin. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us on Beyond the Hashtag. Very nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. For our wonderful listeners, give us a bit of background about Rin Hamburg and Co., and the amazing work that you do and how long you've been in business and a bit about your journey. I actually um, have never worked in an agency and I've never worked client side. So I started my career as a journalist, which I think actually was very helpful because I think it has been the foundation of growing this business. So I run a copywriting agency called Rin Amber Co. We've been going for five and a half years. There's a team of nine of us. We were chatting just before this. We've just got our first premises, which is very exciting. Kind of in a nutshell, what we do is, you know, because obviously copywriting is quite broad and it includes lots of different things. So where we specialize is what we work with what we call expert-led businesses so it's not necessarily one particularly industry vertical we work with tech and healthcare and sustainability and b2b services but all of our clients have something in common which is that they want to be seen as experts in their field so often they've either been around for a long time or they might be in the startup world but their founders are very experienced so there's that kind of expertise in their heads yeah and then what we do is we help them to First of all, clarify and communicate their messaging. So what is it that they're trying to say about themselves? And then we use blogging, white papers, other content to kind of help them just just stamp their authority in their industry. So the expertise that's in their head, it's like, how can we get that out, get it into actual words on paper so they can start sharing it? I love that. What And what a challenging and very rewarding vertical kind of area to focus in on because that's really challenging right is 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 kind of meeting an ex um, a thought leader or a business founder getting their expertise out of their head and putting that into content like how many times have you kind of just been given like the smallest of briefs this is this is why we tend not to just take a brief we're involved in the brief creations great and I think that my journalism background I mean if you think about it I was working on a daily paper I'd get into work in the morning and my editor would be like write an article about this go out and find two case studies an expert you can interview all the statistics and I need it on my desk by three o'clock so I very quickly had to learn how to become an instant expert at something and then drop all that the next day because then I need to think about something else and so the processes that we've created in the business the writing is almost the second part of it the first part of it is the account management and drawing that out of people so often the classic scenario is it's the marketing manager marketing director marketing lead comes to us and says here's me in this business I've got all these subject matter experts um, and I need some help creating content and then what we do is we kind of come in and we act as that intermediary because we can say to the subject matter experts so tell us about this thing and then they do and we're like okay you're gonna have to tone that down a bit yeah and they're not sometimes because actually in, in b2b often the audience for the content is already quite sophisticated anyway. So we want to, you know, we're not trying to dumb things down. It's more that we have to draw out of it what's interesting to the reader. So the, the technical expert is so excited about something that they want to say everything, but actually we just need to focus this one post on this one thing. And the other thing is around um, unconscious competence where somebody is so much of an expert 
that they kind of don't realize they're an expert. So they assume everyone else is on their level. And it's that confidence, isn't it? You know, a lot of people, everyone, in fact, knows a lot of stuff about a lot of things that many other people don't. And it's actually having that confidence to put that message out there and have that voice be heard. And also finding the right words for it. The thing about expertise is it's not, there's their expertise in doing, Mm. and then there's expertise in teaching, and Mm. there's expertise in articulating. And that's what we're experts in. We're experts in articulating other people's expertise. Love that. What do you enjoy most about running your business? I I guess I have to say the variety, because I was thinking about this and I was thinking, it's this. No, it's this. No, it's this. (laughs) I think it's because it is, it is all those things. So, you know, I, I love my team so I kind of I love our Monday morning team meeting and kind of like chatting to everyone and sort of seeing like seeing them grow and develop as as kind of individuals and in their expertise that's really fun and exciting I'm writing a book at the moment so that's really nice I've been writing for other people for near on two decades and so to actually be writing a book that draws on everything that I've done over the last 20 years is, is really really fun I like that I'm kind of in control of my own destiny you know if I mean whatever we decide yes I'm, I'm making decisions on the on the basis of what's good for the business and what's good for the team and the rest of it but essentially nobody can make me do anything and yeah like that is quite independent and stuff and I quite enjoy that <laughs> I love that yeah yeah great great summary and I'm with you those moments where actually like I in my head think like oh we've got a new office and oh, where, where can I put people and where can the desks go and I and then I step back and I go oh this, this is nice I'd like to work here yeah Yeah, I love these little moments because they take you away from the day-to-day going like oh numbers and oh paying and and, stress of clients and the clients happy and all that stuff Mm. yeah because that's the flip side isn't it is the responsibility yeah that's what I was gonna say yeah there's eight people whose salaries rely on me doing a really good job and all of our clients rely on us you know and so every decision I make impacts on so many people um, and there's moments where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if I'm big enough to do that. Yeah. And that, and that self-doubt that you naturally have, you know, hiring new people and you think, are they going to work out? Are they going to be the right fit? Having to constantly future plan as well. So thinking, you know, okay, what if that person leaves in six months? What if that person leaves in a year? How am I going to make sure that, you know, because especially with, you know, I know nine feels big to me, but actually it's still re- really small. Every single person in the business is like really, really essential. Yeah. So if any of them go, I need to know what. What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. Is that the bit that you enjoy least then, the future planning, would you say, or are there other bits that you genuinely hate about running a business? I mean, I suppose one of the things is that as I've started to, as I started to, I've, I've, I've had to do a lot of it, uh, delegating and kind of passing more and more on to other people. What I love about that is that you see other people coming into their own, which is really great. And you realize that sometimes they're better than you. So there's like people in my team that are better than me at certain things because I've sort of got it to a level and then they've taken it to the next level but no I don't think there's anything I sort of I think I've actually very deliberately created a business like that yeah I I use the word hate there probably incorrectly it's enjoy the least about running a business you know there's things that I absolutely love there's things that I look at and go oh that's my job and I don't like Mm. it yeah I think managing I'm not very good manager I think I'm a good leader yeah I think I'm good at sort of going in there and Ging up the troops and you know setting the yep. vision and all that kind of stuff that's great but actually like what should people do on a day-to-day basis and what are their KPIs and have they met yes. the target? I don't know because I I've never really been managed you know I, I've yeah. worked in, in my 
like I said, almost 20 year career. I've spent 12 of them working for myself. So I do everything kind of by instinct. And that's been an interesting part of the last probably year, year and a half is kind of codifying what I do. So I've been trying to work out, okay, how can I take my brain and put it all down on paper, whether that is processes last year we got um, a sales and marketing manager so so she's kind of taking over more of the sales stuff which is great but how do I do a sales call I don't know so I've had to sit down and work out okay well yeah. this is this is how I approach sales here's our sales kind of philosophy our approach to it because we don't have a heavy sales culture so it was kind of wanting to make sure that that is passed on you know whilst obviously letting people do their thing and, and yeah sort of facilitating people being themselves and being great but also kind of saying okay here's how I do it so that's been an interesting process over the last 12 to 18 months oh god I'm glad it's not just me because I'm exactly the same as you go like how do we make sure that the essence of naturally social and how we do things is passed on without stifling individuality and ownership over project you know we don't want to create a team that's just like waiting to be told every day do this do this do this do this but we need to make sure that there's processes in place that ensure the integrity of the company and how things are being delivered yeah. maintains that level of, of you know that standard I guess and just to echo what you're saying about difference in management and leadership you know I've been saying that for the last god how many months maybe year you know what I've learned most about myself over the last year or two is that I don't like managing and I'm not very good at it but I'm a really good leader you know you've grown immensely and you've built this really successful agency and you've got you know so much like bright future ahead of you um but I think it's useful to understand actually to everyone we're talking to like what part does social media play for you in the business in your business it's enormously important it's essential it's one of our most important tools and the, and the reason why I'd say one of is that it sits in sort of two spaces there's most of our most of our business comes through word of mouth in some way or another yeah. so it might be a client referral might be other agency referral so obviously the work we do has got to be important as part of that and the content that we produce is very important as part of that kind of education process and just being kind of showcasing ourselves as, as experts. Obviously, that's what we help other people do. So we yeah. have to be doing it all ourselves. Social is very different. If you're in, you know, kind of B2C e-commerce, like you're selling, I don't know, mugs, then great. You, you put an advert out. It's really pretty. Somebody goes and buys it. Great. I appreciate there's a lot more to it than that. I'm not trying to, mm-hmm. to minimize B2C social. But actually in B2B and especially B2B services is often a much longer sales process. And that sales cycle can be 9, 12, 18 months. Yeah. You've got to stay front of mind. So yes, you might have met somebody at a networking group once, or actually this is the case with one of our clients at school when I was 14. So this girl who I've known for almost 30 years, she's a client. Yes, I first met her at school. But actually, what is it that's actually helped stay in front front of mind? I mean, obviously, we're sort of mates, but yeah. actually she's quite far away. It's been social media. She's seen yeah. blog posts we've done, the, the awards we've won. That's all gone out on social. So social has been a way of staying front of mind and in front of people and sharing that content. I love that. I um, I bagged a client at Butlins once on a... <laughs> 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 on a butlins weekend and nice. uh, got talking to this chap and absolutely everything you just said there evidenced it you know he followed me on twitter and probably like three years later he got in touch and said you know we've got this proposition and we're looking for a partner to work with and you know i've been keeping an eye on what you do is there some interest and they're one of our biggest clients now i often find meeting somebody like kind of that face-to-face connection is a starting point yes but you know what it's like you meet somebody two weeks later you're not necessarily going to remember who they are but if you've connected on LinkedIn and if they're posting great content 
you maintain what started with a face-to-face, but it, it's built through the content. Exactly. And that just like is one of the notions that for me summed up the idea of this is beyond the hashtag. Like social media is so much more than just hashtags and discoverability and, you know, reels and stories. It's actually about connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you see it as part of that sales funnel, I guess, they're called social networks for a reason. You meet somebody face-to-face, connect with them online, then you're receiving their content, you're building a relationship with somebody 10 times quicker than you would if you have to then show up to the same networking group once a month, every month for the next year. What's your relationship like with social media personally then? So obviously forms a really vital part of your your company's strategy, marketing strategy, but what is it? How do you get on with social personally? I like it. I like it. You know, I know that it can have its downsides and its dark sides and people can get obsessed with it and it can be dangerous and all these things. And And I do get that. I don't think it's necessarily social media's fault. I think it's sort of how people engage with it. I've always been a person that likes to record things. So even from when I was a little kid, I've always had a diary. So I love using like Instagram as my online photo album, sort of recording the best. And I know it's only the best bits of my life. Of course, it's not a real, you know, if you look at, if you look, if you look at Instagram, my life looks perfect. Absolutely. And do you think it's, um, because there's a lot of discussion actually about, you know, really actually opening up your life to people on social media and showing the bad moments, um, showing people that, you know, it doesn't have to be all perfect, particularly if you are building a personal brand. What yeah. do you think? What do you think about that? Do you think it's important to show those flaws or? I think it's, it's so much a sort of a case by case basis. It's interesting. I, I think everyone needs to take their own stance on social media because, you know, some people are comfortable sharing things. Some people aren't, and that's fine. From a business perspective, I think the one thing that, I'm always careful of is the degree of oversharing and Mm. especially oversharing from the place of things not being right. I think if you're going through a crisis, that's a time to be careful because you're not necessarily in the right frame of mind to be posting something that's going to be sensible later. I feel like once you've come through something bad, then you can talk. So example, when I started my business, I was a single mum. I had nine month old twins. It was a crazy time. I was going through a divorce. I didn't make a big deal of that because I really didn't want my clients at the time going, Oh my God, how is she going to do this? How is she going to cope? Yeah. How is she going to cope? We can't, we can't, not we can't trust her, but we, you know, we can't give her work because she's not going to be able to, to meet that. So I didn't really talk about it. And it was only probably, you know, two, three years later, as the business started to kind of really take off and be successful that I was able to then share that founder story. And the reason I share it is because I want to encourage other mums and particularly single mums to kind of believe in themselves that they can probably achieve a lot more than they think. But I think if I'd have talked about it then, I wouldn't have had the chance to reflect on it and decide what for me I wanted to share. Mm. So for example, I talk about being a single mum, but I don't really talk about my divorce. That's not really appropriate. So you know what I mean? It's and, and there's just occasional times where I see somebody posting like, I'm in crisis. And I think, oh, you're going to regret that later. And I worry for them that they're just yeah. exposing a little bit too much because it is still a place where a bunch of strangers can see what you're saying. So yeah. you do, 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 uh, be, be careful. definitely. I think a lot of people use it as a tactic, don't they, to generate engagement. <laughs> I'm with you. I think there are moments where I go, oh, I could really write a LinkedIn post about this. And this is really going to, you know, get some engagement. 
But actually, that's when you take a step back, reflect, and then create content on the back of it, I think the content is so much better yeah. because you can give that reflection on it. And I think that comes back to a point that you mentioned earlier about actually what you do in terms of copywriting, yeah. asking yourself what's interesting to the reader, what's going to get people commenting and sharing what's relevant as well I guess yeah I guess that's super and important because people don't think of social media as a place where you can listen but it really is a great place to listen yeah. I mean when you ask for people's opinions that's that that's when you get a lot of engagement on a post so I love doing that you know asking yeah. for people's opinions and also celebrating you know so we posted yesterday about the the new office and I've had so much engagement in that post and it's wonderful because it's not promoting my business per se and I think people can kind of sense the heart behind a post as well because I was genuinely sharing from a perspective of, yay, I'm so excited. I want to tell all my friends. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really, really great point there. And a top tip is about honesty and um, like having a genuine reason to share something. And it comes people because people can tell, right? People can tell if you're being sincere or not. Or yeah. you know, you're inflating something just for social media. Yeah, yeah for sure. So those sorts of celebratory posts work really well for you. I think they work well, well for a lot of people, particularly for those who have been on a journey with somebody um, mm-hmm. since day one. Um, what other content works well for you guys? Um, do you know, I feel like I should have looked up because we, we sort of track, you know, the, the top three posts each month that, month that do well. They often are, yeah, some sort of celebration or, you know, like when we when we talk about something that's going on in the business, so like, you know, the fact yeah. that we're going for B Corp status or, you know, when we celebrated last month, you know, five-year anniversary of becoming a limited company. So those sorts of things tend to get a lot of engagement, which is really nice. But then also the educational content as well. So, you know, we've got a piece of unlike, you know, persuasive writing with examples and tips and techniques with persuasive writing, you know, when to use a capital letter, which is a one I years ago. I don't even necessarily think it's that good a post, but obviously people just, you know, like, oh, I really need to know this. So So I think our kind of content strategy has always been around looking at that buyer journey and helping people to move through the buyer journey towards working with us by by helping them make better decisions so if somebody isn't a good fit for us or they we're not a good fit for them helping them to work that out as we go through so yeah aiding and facilitating that decision making process yeah I think I think your um, educational content is brilliant I think it's really like value driven and it it offers so much to the reader so I wouldn't be surprised that they were some of the some of the best pieces of content that you were sharing how do you plan for it all how do you plan and prep and how do you actually find the time so the the blog is like our foundation that's where the kind of base amount of content comes from and then we just repurpose the heck out of it I see you've been on the reels lately (laughs) That'll be Tess. Because <laughs> Tess is in her twenties, and I'm in my forties. <laughs> I think it looks great. How have you been find? How how are you finding them? I mean, they get great engagement. I have no yeah. idea if that engagement is from people who are going to one day buy from us, but I kind of figure it's really not that difficult to do. It's super fun, even if the people who are seeing the stuff on on Instagram aren't the same people who are on LinkedIn who are our target audience. Actually, there's a degree to which you never know. Obviously, if I wouldn't be spending thousands and thousands of pounds to do it because I don't think it's necessarily going to be that effective in terms of return on investment, but because of the relatively low effort the, there was an example of a networking group I used to go to years ago called freelance mum. And there was a lady I was chatting to there and she wasn't necessarily particularly in our target audience, but actually her husband worked in an agency. And I didn't really know this at the time. I got loads of work through, through that company. You never know. And you, you have to be putting the content out there in ways that are relevant to experiment 
in order to find out what's working for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's also part of like showcasing your brand personality, I think. We aren't stuffy and formal. We are very, very good at what we do, but we take life in a more fun way, you know? Yeah. Love that. And again, I think that's a really great place to to wrap it up because I think that's one of the best ways you can see social media beyond the hashtag. It's about representing a personality and showing people what it's like to work with somebody, to be friends with somebody and, you know, people by people. Thanks so much, Rin. Really, really enjoyed having you on this show. Likewise. Always love Anatta. At the end of every episode, we're asking each of our guests what fail they've seen or that they remember on social media and more importantly what they thought of it and what we can learn for it so let's dive in i remember mila uh, sharing a picture on internationals women's day which showed four women kind of laughing and celebrating while leaning on a washing machine and tumble dryer i mean i i get that they manufacture household appliances so it's tricky to link the audience uh, and the product in a way that doesn't kind of have this you know women belong in the home vibe but then perhaps they shouldn't have been making that day all about their product. I mean, the days like International Women's Day shouldn't just be a way to crowbar tick box values into your marketing. If you're not authentically behind gender equality, maybe just don't say anything at all. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Beyond the Hashtag. Make sure you tune in to every episode. And again, follow us on social media. We're at NLY Social on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, you name it, we're there. And I hope to see you all soon. <laughs>